0: want to welcome you to the exchange. How are we feeling tonight, exchange? Come on. Let's go. Let's go. I am so glad to be here. I am so glad that you are here, especially if it's your first time joining us. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. We call this place a family. My name is Mark. I get the privilege of leading the exchange young adult ministry here at Grace Family Church. And today we're going to just jump straight in. Usually we go into announcements, but today we're going straight for God's word. And I want to preach this word with urgency tonight. I want to preach it with passion. I want to lean into what God has to say. And I want to talk to you guys like this is a room of young adults that are ready to lead the charge of the church and build God's house. I want to lean in. I want to go down that alley. And maybe you don't fall in that category today. I want you to know, I pray, my hope today is that you would leave encouraged and understand that this message has everything to do with you. This message is for you. It's about you. This is God's word. And we're going to be reading in John chapter 17. If you have a Bible, you got the Bible app. Now's your time, open it up. We're going to be looking at a moment in scripture that's very, very important. It's a moment where Jesus, he knows that he's about to die on a cross for all of humanity. And in this moment, as he's preparing for this moment, he begins to pray to God, the Father. I love what he says in this moment. John chapter 17, verse 20 through 23, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and you in me so that the world so that they may be brought to complete unity. Somebody say unity. unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I want to start out here. Anyone have a childhood fear? No shame. Anyone had a childhood? Come on, fellas, this does not make you a less, less of a man. And she's still going to eye you down regardless. <laughs> I want to tell you about my childhood fear. My childhood fear was this. It wasn't a place, it wasn't a thing, it was a person. And his name was Michael Jackson. (laughs) A lot of judgment in this place. Let me tell you why, let me tell you why. The The thing about this is, as a young boy, I remember this all started here. I remember I was about five years old and I was sitting in the basement of our house. I know we don't have basements here in Florida, I'm not dumb, I'm not making this up either. I grew up in New York. And we got some New Yorkers in that. Lego! Yeet, yeet. And we're sitting in the basement, we're watching a scary movie. Five year old Mark's sitting there with his cousins, his siblings, and we're watching this movie. And as we're sitting there, here comes a scene Michael Jackson just pops up on the screen. Let me tell you, five year old Mark released so many expletives in that moment. <laughs> Your boy started cussing like a sailor. I'm freaking out. I get up off the couch. I start running all the way to the staircase. I kid you not, this moment, it was like, I just went through, I underwent like paralysis. Like I didn't know what to do, I froze. As I'm thinking about running up the steps, as I'm thinking about heading for the staircase, I start thinking, but wait, what if Michael is upstairs waiting for me? (laughs) And and then I'm like, in this feeling of paralysis, like, do I, do I take the step? Do I run up the stairs? Do I take the, what do you do, Mark? I just start running around the basement, like, he's here, he's here. But it was from that day forward, I just developed this fear of this man, Michael Jackson. I remember, even as a teenager, I I hate to say it, and even to this day, my wife will probably make fun of me later, I still have a fear of this dude. (laughs) My my friends and my, my wife, they love to play a game, we'll have people over our house, and I'll go to the bathroom. I come back and I walk into the room and they'll always have Michael Jackson displayed on the TV. Yeah, that's funny, right? Keep encouraging her, thank you. And, and what was crazy is even in my teen years, I remember when my sister and I, we used to be home by ourselves. I was just so afraid to even go upstairs by myself. You ever have that fear? Like this, was, this is the way I've seen it. Like if I go upstairs by myself, No one could help me in the event Michael's there. I I would be like, yo, like I'd open the closet and there's Michael. (laughs) Like you ever like wearing when you're in the shower, you're taking a shower doing your thing and then you're like, why can't I see through this? Like shower curtain. I'm like, yo, chances are I pull back the curtain and there's Michael. Like, hey, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Like forever, I just had this fear of this man, Michael Jackson. (laughs) I I know it's funny. But like I mentioned, like this took me to a place of paralysis. I remember that moment like it was yesterday, like my knees locked up, I couldn't move, I couldn't even go up the stairs. I thought about it so many times, but I wouldn't go take the step because I was afraid he was up there waiting for me. I say all that to say this, what's the thing that's holding you back from taking your next step in your walk with Jesus? Maybe it's not fear, maybe it's discouragement, Maybe it's hurt from the past. I don't know what you could have walked through. But what's holding you back from taking your next step with Jesus? And when I say next step, I'm not talking about a step in a career or I'm not talking about a step in your your school or the direction you want to go with your relationship status. I'm talking about steps in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I think about this, it takes me to this moment and John chapter 17 and I love what Jesus is praying for in this moment because he's literally paving the way for what the church ought to look like and he's making it clear each and every believer each and every follower has a next step I love this in John 17 this this prayer it's 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 so beautiful because here Jesus is he knows that in a couple of moments he's going to die the most gruesome death in all of humanity he's going to be beaten he's going to be slapped he's going to be spit on he's going to be thrown on a cross, laughed at, mocked. And in this moment, he's not praying that God would remove this. Instead, he's praying for his believers, his disciples, his followers. I wonder today, if if you knew in just a few moments, your time would come, what would you start praying for? What would you start praying for? This is what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 9 through 10. This is a 632 word prayer. And He leans in and just in these two verses, he says, so with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. Verse 10, for all who belong to me now belong to you and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. You see, he begins his prayer by praying for the believers, the followers of Jesus, his disciples, those who would continue to help build and lead the way of the church. And I think that we need to understand, this prayer is for us. This prayer is for us, friends. He prayed for us. And I wanna lean into this because today, I think it's so evident, I think it's obvious. We've got a world that is hopeless and broken We've got a world that is so dark and crooked and fallen. But I think that we need to understand God has sent us to be the change in the world that we desire to see. God has called us, his followers, to lean in to the commission that he has put forward for each and every one of us. And I want to say this. I'm gonna preach it like I really mean this because I believe this with all of my heart for this ministry, for the exchange. God has created this space for us to be on mission to help further the vision of the church. He has created this space so we could lift up the city of Tampa Bay and shake it up with the message of Jesus Christ. I believe this with all of my heart that God's called us to bring hope to a hopeless world, and we can't be dismissive about it anymore. We can't be dismissive. We can't say, oh, there's issues in the world, but this has nothing to do. No, no one else is coming. God sent us. No one else is coming. And so often I think that we sum up or come with these great excuses like, I think I'm just going to wait on a sign from God, (laughs) I I think I'm just going to wait on a sign from God. He's just going to speak to me. Hey, go serve your church. Hey, go lead the way of the church. No, he's not going to send you a fortune cookie that says serve your church. He's not going to send you a fortune cookie that says go lead the way of your church. Friends, it is written in his word. Why are we waiting on what has already been written? He's counting on us. This prayer is for us and I don't want to wait anymore. I want us to lean in and believe God that he's going to take this space to new levels. That we're going to see people from east, west, north, and south walk into this room and encounter him in a new way. I believe that with all of my heart. I love this in what we see in John 17, verse 20 through 23. It's kind of reiterating what you may have heard in the past called the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And if you grew up in church, or maybe you didn't even grow up in church, this is your first time in church, I'm glad you're here. And the Great Commission is pretty simple. It's this moment where Jesus would give a charge to his disciples, his believers, his followers, to go out into all of the world and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it says to teach these people all the things that I have taught you. You And I love this because the first word is, or the first two words is therefore go. He doesn't say sit back and wait. He commissions us. He charges us. He sends us to go and make a difference in the world. And I think this is so important because I know there's hundreds of thousands of people in the city of Tampa that just need to hear that Jesus loves them. He's created them. He's pursuing them. He wants them. I got people in my life that don't know Jesus. I just believe with all of my heart, if they just walked into this room, they would encounter Jesus and their life would be changed forever. You see, I think what's so clear about this is Jesus in this prayer, he gives us clear next steps. Everybody has a next step. I want to talk about that today. Everybody has a next step. And I want to start here because this is the most important step. Everyone's first step is to believe in Jesus. It all starts there. Everyone's first step is to believe in Jesus. And the truth about that is you want to have a purpose-filled life. You have to give your life to Jesus. And maybe you're here today or you're visiting or you don't have a relationship with Jesus. This space was created for you. I'm so glad that you are here. But I got to get this truth to you because I wouldn't be doing a good job of being up here. I wouldn't be doing anybody any good if I told you that coming to church and walking into this space is what's gonna lead you to heaven. No, it's opening up your heart to a relationship with Jesus that leads you to heaven. We can't just think, oh, I walked into the space, I'm doing this thing out of ritual, like no, no, that's a part of my routine. No, that doesn't save you. Only a relationship with Jesus save you, saves you. You see, understand this, friends. Life is found by opening your heart to a relationship with him. And the Bible is so clear about that because as Jesus prayed, he would pray for the unbelievers too. He would pray for the unbelievers as well. And the Bible says in Romans chapter five that God loved you so much that even while we were all, all of us, myself included, while we were all still living a life in sin, he still sent his son to die for us. That's the truth of the Bible that while we were still sinning and sinners, God sent his son to die on a cross for us. Friend, insert your name in there. This story is a love story just for you. This passage is a passage that is written for you. Your name is all over it. Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for your sin because he loves you. And the truth is this this gospel that Maybe you haven't even walked in a church or never heard this term before. We call it the good news. And the gospel is good news because of this. We all, myself included, we have a huge, huge issue. And we always had this issue from the foundations of the earth. It's called sin. And what sin did, it separated us from having a relationship with God. And sin stopped us from having access to eternal life and having life ever after. So God who loved us so much that while we were still sinners, he sent his son, Jesus, in the form of a baby down to the earth. And Jesus would go on 33 years, live a perfect life without any sin. And he would walk all the way to a cross in obedience to the Father's command, knowing that the only way, God, that all of these people could have a relationship with you is if I obey and I die on a cross for their sin. So what did Jesus do? He, He was obedient to death on a cross so that we could have access to God. I think that the most important thing today that I want you to get, your first step is to believe in that truth of the gospel. And like I said, maybe you've been coming for a while, you hear the messages, you love the community, you love being in the room, but I know this to be true. God loves you way too much for you to just walk into a space, come out of ritual every Tuesday night and think that's what's gonna get you to heaven. He loves you way too much. So he sends this clear letter, this set of instructions just to you. And I think there's some things though Even when we do know that, even when we do believe in the gospel, even when we do understand God's love, when we understand it but we fail to receive it or we fail to accept Jesus in our heart, there are always going to be some things that stop us from accepting this gospel, from accepting and receiving this gospel. And maybe you're here today, and you're like, so you're telling me, like, if I follow Jesus, that means I can't go to Club Piranha on Friday. (laughs) If I follow Jesus, I can't be at czar on Saturday. I think that's the name of it. (laughs) I want to be clear today because following Jesus isn't about losing something which is temporary, but gaining something that lasts forever. Following Jesus isn't about losing something which is temporary, but gaining something that lasts for eternity, and that's eternal life. I know there are some things that lead us to hesitation, like a feeling of, man, I I don't, I'm not worthy. I'm disqualified. Like I have all of this stuff in the past, or maybe you feel inferior. So many people just feel like, oh man, like Mark, you, you don't understand. Like you don't know my story, bro. You don't know what I did. You don't know about my sin yesterday. I may not know it, but he does. And can I tell you, even though he knows it, he still pursues you. He's still madly in love with you, and he still wants you to just come to him. That's the truth of the gospel. We don't have to be fixed to be found by God. He wants us to come just as we are. And I I love what Romans chapter 8, verse 38 says. It says, there is nothing, no height, nor depth, nor angel, nor demon that can separate us from this love of God. Like if you believe that you would understand the gospel isn't a call for you to respond next week it's a call for you to respond today because tomorrow's not promised tomorrow is not promised I had this ladder behind me and you're probably wondering why this dude have a ladder up here but literally all weekend long this was like my best friend Michelle and I we moved into our house and all weekend long I feel like I lived on a ladder and What I'm trying to get across is everybody has a next step. Maybe your next step is is believing. That's the first step. But after you take that first step, God doesn't want you to stop there. He wants you to take another step. The journey with Jesus is about us continuing to take next steps. And maybe you're in the room and you feel disqualified from a relationship with Jesus because of your past, because of what you've done. Friend, I want to tell you, the journey with Jesus, you're always going to have struggles. There's always going to be temptation. But the truth is, the more steps we take, the closer we get to God. And the thing I want you to understand is, this is a theological word that we call sanctification. And that word sanctification, it really is just summed up as this. When you believe in Jesus, when you accept him into your heart, and when you take steps... He transforms your life. He changes your life. He makes you look and live more like his son Jesus. So as we take these steps, I want you to understand you're getting closer to Jesus and you're leaving behind the things of the world. And like I said, you may be discouraged because man, I I fell, I fell, I messed up, I stumbled. I want to tell you, the Bible says the wise man falls down seven times, but he gets back up again. Maybe your step today is to have a group of people get around you and be a community so when you fall, they can hold the ladder and encourage you to get back up again. We all got a next step. We all got a next step. Maybe it's the call to community. Maybe it's the decision you didn't make to to find a small group here at Grace Family Church. We all have a next step and I think this is something that I've had to remind myself though I may stumble though I may fall Jesus doesn't care about perfection he cares about progress he doesn't care about perfection because let me tell you if you could if you could define perfection the only person you could look at is Jesus Christ You can't look at anybody in this room and say, they are perfect. He's perfect. She is perfect. If perfect was attainable by man, we wouldn't need a Savior. So he sent his son to die for us on the cross. He sent his son to die for us on the cross. And maybe you come to the exchange, you believe in Jesus, you're in community. Maybe your next step is to share the gospel. Maybe your next step is to share the gospel. A life on mission shares the gospel with other people. I always go back to this moment. I was in high school. I'm kind of ashamed of this story. I played football and I don't know, like people use the term jock loosely. I don't know. I got people that went to high school with me. So I I mean, they'll expose me later. But let's say your boy wasn't that studious. (laughs) Any algebra fans in the house? psych <laughs> like who, who likes algebra like who says that <laughs> I remember when I was in high school I had a friend uh, she was a cheerleader I was a football player and you know like football players sometimes find a little fa- favor with the cheerleaders and she, she would help me in such a miraculous way she would help me cheat on my test I'll just say it like that <laughs> I'll just say it like that. Like literally every single math test, my mom's in the room. God bless me. Every single math test, this girl, I'm not going to say her name. She would just, you know, show your boy a little bit of favor and just, you know, slide the answers down. Like we had this whole system. She would sit on the left. I would sit on the right. She would just turn the Scantron and show me. And here we are getting ready to finish the school year. It's time for final exams. And I walk in a classroom and my, my, my best friend, he's like, bro, you study, you ready? I'm like, boy, study, who studies, bro? Come on now. I got a plug, baby. I got a plug. So homegirl sits next to me on the left. I go to sit down in my seat and the teacher starts to administer the final exam that day in class. And as I'm sitting there, we get started. Homegirl is just flying through this thing. And here I am, like, what is going on? (laughs) Worst moment of my life was realizing that this girl was just flying through it, and I'm like, psst, show me, show me the answers. Hey, psst, show me the answers. She looks at me, she did the unthinkable. Homegirl swears me so nasty. You you know those people in class that like take their tests like this, head down on the table, arm covering the scantron, just going ham on that test? girl swerved me so nasty. She finishes up her test, she goes, she looks back at me like, <laughs> takes it to the front of the classroom, gives it to the teacher, walks back with a smile. Your boy is still trying to figure out number one. I'm just like, girl, you couldn't show me the answers. I share that story because I think that's a picture of the church of Jesus Christ today. We have kept the best, sec- best kept secret, Jesus And we have hidden the answer to depression, to anxiety, to addiction, to brokenness, to hopelessness. We have kept Jesus a secret from people who need him the most. And I want you to understand this because I think something that may stop you from sharing the gospel with other people, sharing what you believe with other people, is that you lack knowledge of what the gospel is really all about. You lack really an understanding. You don't have the confidence to share the gospel because you don't understand the full scope of it. I wanna tell you this, because it's important we understand what we believe. It's important we have an idea of how to share the gospel with others. First Peter 3.15, it says, always have an answer for people when they ask you, why do you have this hope in Jesus? But can I tell you, your answer does not need to be a deep theological response. It could just be your story. I know what Jesus did for me. I know he died on the cross for me. I know what he saved me from. Share your story. Your story isn't just for you. It's for the world to hear about the love of Jesus Christ. You got to share your story for God's glory. You gotta share your story for God's glory. Your story isn't just for you. Yes, it's about you, but it's for the masses so they can see the faithfulness of God. You gotta be willing to share your story. Wherever you are, whatever you do for a living, whether it's a nine to five, don't don't shy away from sharing your story. Whether you're an athlete, like yo, in the locker room, share your story in your classroom, in your workplace, wherever you are on the day-to-day, don't shy away from sharing your story. Everybody got a phone? Hold up your phone. You know, another way we can share the love of Jesus is by telling someone, hey, I'm praying for you. I'll shoot a text and say, hey, I'm I'm praying for you. Everybody got the Bible app. I don't wanna assume, maybe you have the Bible app. I I think that's a great place to start. Yo, like there's verses of the day daily. Send it to someone. That's a way to share the love of Jesus. Maybe for you, you're still feeling like, but bro, like I, I wanna know, I wanna know, I wanna have an answer for what I believe. I wanna be able to answer the hard questions. I'm really excited about this. In two weeks, we're starting something here on Tuesday nights called Following Jesus. And this is gonna be an intensive where you can grow in the foundations of your faith and understand what it is, wh- what it is that you believe, why you believe it, who Jesus is, What he's done. I'm opening up the floor to anyone who wants to be a part of this every Tuesday night after our service. We're not going to be having small groups, we'll be gathering in our small group rooms for a course called Following Jesus. I want to encourage you to join us. I want to encourage you to join us. Another great place I think that you could start is by reading the Bible for yourself. Just read the Bible for yourself. Maybe you've been like doing the verse of the day for a while and you you just feel like, man, I'm not really growing. I want to encourage you, start with the story of Jesus that's found in the gospel. Understand the life that he lived. Understand that he died for you. Go through the gospels and it will help you understand the life of Jesus. Maybe your next step isn't, Believing, maybe your next step isn't sharing, maybe it's not community, maybe you've done all of those things. I want to encourage you. Maybe your next step's inviting someone to church. Like, oftentimes, as believers, we just get in the routine of coming to church week after week after week after week, and then we start looking at the church like, why am I not growing in my faith journey? Have you invited someone to church? Like, are you, are you just thinking like this church is all about you? Church coming here is all about... No, this is for other people as well. I want to encourage you like, yo, invite people to church. A life on mission, it should lead us to invite other people to church. I love this story in, in John chapter 4. We see this moment. It's the story of a woman at the well and... Here's this woman, she had a a life, she had a lot of sin, a lot of baggage in her past. And she's going over to this well in a different city to go fetch some water. And as she gets to this well, she has an encounter with Jesus. She meets Jesus. And as she's sitting there going to fetch her water, Jesus starts to strike up conversation with her. And as he strikes up conversation with her, the lady starts realizing, wait, you are the son of God. You're the Messiah. Jesus starts telling her about her baggage, her sin, her things of the past. He's not condemning her, he's encouraging her. And in this moment, you see, she starts to believe in Jesus. She starts to say, wait, 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 you're the savior of the world. And she gets so excited, the Bible says she ran back to her hometown and stood before all of the people as they're going about their day to day. And she says, come and see a man who told me all that I have ever done. Here at The Exchange, I want us to have a culture that says, come and see what God is doing in this room. Come and see what God has in store for you. There's hundreds of thousands of people that are in this city that I believe with all of my heart, if they just got in this room, their lives would be changed forever. But we've got to have the willingness to step up and invite. We've got to have the willingness to to step up and invite others to church. It's even challenging for me. But I know it's awkward at times. I know sometimes it feels like clunky, like having those conversations. I hate come to church. It's like, but what if they say no? It's literally the worst thing they could say no, but don't let your negative mindset or your human limitation be the thing that stops them from saying yes and encountering Jesus in this room. Don't be the barrier. Step out in faith. Believe that God is gonna use you to invite that person to church and that they are gonna say yes to Jesus. Maybe for you, it's not believing. Maybe your step isn't sharing the gospel. Maybe your step isn't inviting others to church. Maybe your step is this simple. And I really wanna park here. I really wanna focus on this for the next few minutes. Maybe your next step is serving God's church. You see, if you call yourself a believer of Jesus, the thing I really want you to understand, following Jesus is a call on your life to service. At The Exchange, we believe serving is how we lead. Serving is how we lead. A life on mission serves. Serving is, is a next step for every believer. The word of God says it all throughout the scriptures. Why? Because Jesus made his whole life about serving others. I want you to get this because you were never meant to be a spectator, but a participator. You are never meant to be a spectator, but a participator. God wants you to participate in what he's doing in this room. I want you to get that in your heart and serving is where it starts. Serving is where it starts. A couple moments before John 17, we'll get to John 13 and we'll see this moment where Jesus, he performs the most sincere act of service. He'll perform the most sincere act of service in John chapter 13. And in this moment, he does something that is the unthinkable. The Messiah does something that blows the mind of so many people, even to this day. I got a question for you. This is a really weird question. Brace yourself. Anyone in here like dislike feet? Like, feet super cringy? Feet kind of cringy? It's a little bit. Yeah, feet are very cringy. My wife knows this because my wife She'd be like, Babe, can you give me a foot massage? No. <laughs> she'd be like, Hey baby, you you had a very long day at work. Can I give you a foot? No. You can't give me a foot massage. Well, babe, let's go for pedicure I don't want people touching my feet. Like <laughs> feet are kinda cringy. Uh I think in this moment. What Jesus does is the most sincere act of humility and servitude because he would wash his followers' feet. He would serve his disciples, his followers, by washing their feet. I know what some of you are thinking, like, that is the most weird serving initiative ever. (laughs) Like, y'all about to start a foot washing ministry? Like, nah, I'm cool. (laughs) But the sincere act of service is, so important and it's so vital for us to understand what took place in this moment. Don't miss the point because it's a greater image of s- serving because Jesus, while washing his disciples' feet, he's performing a sincere act of service because as he's cleansing the, their external, he's foreshadowing how he would cleanse us internally. I want to say that again as, as Jesus is washing and cleansing the disciples' feet, as he's cleaning their feet. He's foreshadowing what he would do a couple moments later by cleansing us eternally, internally, forever. Such a great image because it literally paves the way for us to understand followers of Jesus serve others because we were first served by God. And I know there are things that get in the way and stop us from serving like work, like, man, Mark, you don't understand. I've got a busy a uh, week ahead of me, I've got a rotating schedule. My schedule, my calendar's pretty fluid. Things always change with work. My situation at home is always different. I want you to understand, we need to just prioritize serving. The Bible tells us when we serve, we're actually serving God. We can't let our excuses get in the way of serving our savior. And this is the most important thing. Don't mistake busyness for misplaced priorities. Don't mistake busyness for misplaced priorities. I think many of us have to admit we have misplaced priorities in our life or we just discredit the importance of serving. In the exchange, we say, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. If serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. I'm passionate about this because this is my story. I remember I grew up in the church for a majority of my life and I remember I found a faith of my own when I started coming to Grace Family Church It became so real for me in a moment when I committed to serving. I remember my parents bought me my first car and I started committing to serving at the space that we call the Dream Center here at Grace Family Church. And let me tell you, the Dream Center is a space where we have a whole bunch of inner city kids come who need help with homework, who need encouragement. Many of these kids are walking themselves to church. Many of these kids are walking themselves to this space in hopes that they could just form a relationship because mom or dad doesn't give them attention. I remember I committed to serving at this dream center for a few weeks and you would probably think like, oh man, you did so much for them. No, they did so much for me. These kids started working up a passion in me to serve God's church. I remember I would come to the place where I'd get ready to graduate from high school and I'd go on to play college football at FIU. And one of the things that led me to go to FIU was not just the football program because I played college football there, but what got me to FIU was a local church that I had found and I fell in love with. I had a group of friends that I already established even before I committed to the school. They were going to FIU and they were going to this church every weekend and on Monday nights and on Wednesday nights for youth group. I said I wanted that. I want that for myself. I commit to FIU as soon as I got there, every single weekend, despite my 5 a.m. wake-up calls for football practice, despite my schoolwork, despite all the things I had to face, despite traveling, despite all of that stuff, I wanted to commit to serving God's church. And here I am 10 years later, still serving God's church in a different capacity. In a different capacity. And I'm not saying you need to follow my footsteps and put aside your career, put aside your endeavors to serve God's church. What I'm telling you is you need to prioritize serving because serving God's house will always point you to your purpose as a child of God. You don't wanna miss out on what God truly has for your life because you never prioritized helping build his church. This is so important that we get this because serving God's church will always point you to purpose. As I close, I want you to understand true greatness in the eyes of the Father isn't measured by duration, but by your donation to the mission. I wanna say that again. True greatness in the eyes of the Father isn't measured by duration, but by your donation to the mission of his church. Church. You see, here we are 2,000 years later, after Jesus died on a cross. Here we are gathered in this room, and we're still talking about this man who didn't live a very long life. He only lived 33 years. It's a short duration. But the thing he's known for wasn't the time that he lived, the span of time that he lived. He's known because he gave his all to the mission of the church, he's known for his donation. He's known for sacrificing it all for the sake of the church and his heart to serve each and every one of us. You see, life isn't measured by how long we live, by how much we make, or how much you have said, but how well you live your life for the sake of the kingdom. I think as young adults, this is important too. Your success, it's not measured by your income, but by your impact. I think by young adults, like we're always trying to set ourselves up for what's next. I'm trying to get rich. Like, Mark, I'm trying to get rich. <laughs> like your boy's got to make a living. Understand me, friend. You won't be known for how much is in your portfolio, how much is in your bank account, but how much you have done for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you see Jesus' prayer, John 17 and the Great Commission, it leads us to step into serving. It leads us, it commissions us, it calls us to step out and serve God's church. Not only serve God's church, but serve our city, serve our community. And I'm very excited about this as well because all summer long, we're giving our summer to serving God's community, serving the city. We're giving our summer to say, God, the exchange is going to be on mission for you. We're doing this thing called Love Our City. We're getting ready to kick off the series on the 22nd of this month. But we're going to have two huge serving initiatives And this is a thing that our ministry, the Exchange, the Young Adult Ministry of Grace Family Church, we're going to be leading the way in serving our city to spread the love of Jesus Christ. This is what we're doing. We're committed. We're in it. We're saying, God, we want to serve our city. We want to love on our city. We want to be the change in the world that we wish to see. And the first opportunity will be on June 26th. And you'll get more info about that. But I want to make sure you don't miss out on what we're getting ready to do, and what we're getting ready to see God do through us. But we serve him because he served us. We serve him because he served us. This isn't about making Grace Family Church famous. This is about making the name of Jesus known amongst the masses. This isn't about Mark. This isn't about man. This is about lifting up the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. We serve because he served. We love because he loved. We share because he calls us to share. We invite because we know if people just get in this room, they could meet Jesus and their life would be forever changed. Friends, hear me today. The call to being a follower of Jesus Christ is obeying his words, his commands, and all that he has put in his word for you. We gotta be on mission. We've got to understand this is about the name of Jesus. This is about us saying yes to all that he has in store for us. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. We're going to sing a song, and it's called, You Love Me As You Find Me. I want you to understand today, as we sing this song, whether you're a believer, whether you're an unbeliever, this song is about you. This song is for you. He loves you just the way you are. You don't need to be fixed to be found by God. He says, come as you are. For the believer in the room today, maybe you're discouraged and you feel, I've fallen so many times I can't get back up. Friend, yes, you can. You know why? Jesus died for your past. He died for your present. He died for your future mistakes. He died for all things that will take place in your life. And that should leave you looking at Jesus a little different. Because there's nothing, nothing in this life that we can do to outgive God by sending His Son, to outpace God by His graciousness, to outserve God by sending His Son. He sent His Son to save your soul. My call, my action to you today are you taking next steps? Are you taking next steps? Because your next steps are going to make you more like Jesus.